Welcome to A Moment of Bach, where we take our favorite moments from the composer's vast musical output, just a minute's worth or even a few seconds, and show you why we think they are remarkable. We are your hosts, Christian Giebert and Alex Giebert. Today is a special episode. We have a guest, and we've been looking forward to this for a really long time because it was his idea to bring this moment to our attention, and that is the composer and guitarist Giovanni Piacentini. Welcome, Giovanni. Hi, Christian, Alex, thanks for having me. This is great. Very happy to talk to you guys today. Yeah, so I met Giovanni in doctoral school at UCLA. He's a really accomplished composer and educator. Can you tell us just quickly a little about what you've been working on recently, Giovanni? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that. And, and right back at you. It's really nice to, to connect. Again, I haven't seen you in a while, and uh, so it's very nice to, to be talking to you and, and to be talking to you about a topic that we love, that we have in common, which is Bach. So anyway, a little bit about me. I'm a composer and a guitar player based in Los Angeles, and I'm originally from Mexico City, even though I have a very Italian name. I was born and raised in Mexico City. And uh, I've been writing and playing music for all my life. It's pretty much held me hostage for, for as long as I can remember. And nowadays, I just premiered a guitar concerto uh, with um, amazing legendary guitarist Elliot Fisk. This was last year in Mexico City. And this year, this next month, I'm actually flying down to Mexico City again to not only perform the concerto again, and what I, I mean, uh, have it performed, I mean, by Elliot and the orchestra down there, but we're also going to record it. Uh, and as part of this project, we are also going to record Ian Krauss' Symphony Number no. 2. Now, Ian Krauss is uh, one of my mentors, and I know that um, you also studied with him, Christian, at UCLA. He's a fantastic composer, just yeah. all around great person. And uh, really, just a just a phenomenal composer. I, every day that I study his music, I just learn a new something new, and I'm just in awe of his um, of his talent for for expressing himself musically. So uh, we have this big symphony, Symphony Number no. Two. It's a 45 minute piece in eight movements uh, that has a very prominent guitar part, which, as I was telling Christian earlier, originally was two guitar parts, and he condensed it into one which I will be performing. So it's a lot of notes to, to learn, but I'm very excited about this project. And so the, the idea is to, to make an album with my guitar concerto played by Elliot Fisk and then Ian's symphony performed by yours truly. So it's going to be a, a very cool, cool project and I'm very excited about. So that's a little bit of what I've been up to lately, nice. compositionally. Very cool. Yeah. Cool. So, Enough about me. Let's talk a little bit about, about the, uh, the, the big man, <laughs> Johan, Johan Sebastian Bach, which is... Uh, case in point here and a moments in Bach, right? Uh, there's there's so many. It's hard to choose, but there's one uh, in particular that, as you mentioned, when when you told me you were doing this podcast, I was like, "Have I got a have I got a cool moment for you?" Uh, and yeah. so, from Prelude Fugue and Allegro, BWV nine nine eight. This is a, a very popular piece for guitarists, and the reason for that is because the piece was originally written for on the on the manuscript. You see it written for lute or cembalo or harpsichord and so you know all the pieces that that have this you know written for lute written at the beginning is they're usually they translate pretty well to the guitar and this is definitely the case for for this beautiful prelude fugue and allegro the fugue is a uh, gorgeous it's a longer uh format fugue than we see for for solo lute instruments and then the allegro is a is a beast of a piece it's very very fun to play if you can actually get around to mastering the, the the technical difficulty of it, it's very demanding. 
And then we have this gorgeous prelude, a very famous piece, again, for, not only for guitar players, but just for music, music lovers, uh, has this very um, famous and well-known theme at the beginning. Etc. Very well-known theme. And uh, the moment uh, that, in particular, that I want to draw your attention to, happens later towards the second half of this prelude. And I want to, before I play the actual moment, I want to take it back a few measures and play um, leading up to this moment. So, harmonically speaking, we are in. Um, D major is a key that guitarists use, just because D, D major is a, is a very easy key for guitar. Uh, original, the original key, I think, is E flat major, which is kind of a terrible key for guitars. We can use one of these capos, um, but uh, this time I'll be playing it and, and or analyzing it in, uh, in the key of D major. So I want to take it from measure, and again, these measures may or may not coincide with different versions. I'm, I'm reading from the uh, Thomas Kuning's version, or the arrangement rather, which is a very popular one. A lot of people have this arrangement, but if the exact measures don't, don't map onto each other, at least you get an idea of where, where I am in the prelude. Okay, so after uh, you know, taking us through some really interesting harmonic movement as, as Bach usually does, we land on this, um, on this one, on the tonic, or D major, and we get this uh, bass descent that is really interesting. We start with uh, one. So right there, it's a surprise because we start with one and we get the flat seven. So this becomes essentially like the five of four, really. But instead of getting, you know, good old B natural, which would be kind of like the, I guess the, the more familiar sound that we would expect to hear from that descending bass line, right? We get the B flat. Which takes us then to a beautiful cadence to the minor subdominant, so to minor four. Uh, this is a, a, a big surprise because remember, all along we've been going swimmingly in uh, pretty much D major, you know, some some twists and turns, but mostly just one, four, five, five, one, a lot of five, one, a lot of five, one. And then suddenly we get this. And then we're like, oh, okay, five of four, but we get a B flat first surprise. And then a big cadence on G minor or four minor. And then, uh, that, but that's not the moment that I wanted to show you. That's, that's another, I guess, cool moment. But the moment that I wanted to show you is what happens after this. So we land in G minor, four minor. And then we get the theme again, sort of like a reiteration of the theme. And so far, so good, right? The uh, G minor, or four minor, but then we get this beautiful Napolitan sound. So listen, I'll, I'll play the whole thing. So we get suddenly we get this Napolitan sound. Yeah. So the flat two. E flat major. Yeah. Or flat two. Uh, in this case, you could argue that it's 
that is flat too, or if you consider this cadence to be strong enough, you could make an argument that you actually modulate it to G minor. That's probably a more modern way of thinking about it. But sure, let's call it flat two. Yeah, yeah. How cool is that? Completely unexpected. So we go from a very unexpected four minor. gorgeous and then the moment we've all been waiting for <laughs> this chord Woo! so i definitely had a field trip when i came across this chord yeah that's amazing i i christian told me you were gonna give us a moment from this and i listened to it and i was like i bet it's this chord <laughs> like it's just yeah, uh, it's, you know, after after I sort of like was struck and, 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 and really interested in it, I started to do a little research and I did find out that, you know, I wasn't the only one that was mm. sort of like baffled with this, with this particular moment. Mm. Uh, but I'm not surprised. It's a gorgeous moment. Um, so I don't know if it's even worth, you know, um, analyzing it or, you know, how much, how much, how deep you want to go into the actual you know, Roman rumor analysis of all that stuff. But it's actually what's most interesting, I think, is that it's actually not that complicated. It just sounds really, really cool. And the reason why it sounds so cool, or one of the reasons why it sounds so cool, is because it has this suspension. It has a 4-3 suspension. So essentially, it's in... seventh chord with a 4-3 suspension that leads us beautifully back into D major. A7, back to, back home to D major. So what I'll do is I'll play it now from that little uh, bass line descent right into this moment so you can get the idea instead of me just talking about it. So here it is. this is you know went to this beautiful G minor four minor Napolitan or flat second and the Napolitan you usually or are you ears are used to hearing the Napolitan resolve to five right go, it's going something like this right and then maybe back to G minor this is what I guess is implied in the harmony this Napolitan chord is going to go back to D7 and maybe resolve back to, to G minor oh, yeah. in this case because we're coming from it. Right? So, cause, yeah, because that's, that's the, the G minor oh. approach, right? But for me, I, I wondered, yeah, I wondered like that chord, that moment, wh what if it was, you know, currently it's, a, it's an E, I'm trying to think of it in your transposition, it's E major with the D on the bottom, right? So correct. That's so right. It, what if so it was a, four, two, four. yeah. So what if it was a A major with a G on the bottom? So that would just be like a because you're in you're in D major. So the bass note would say the same. 
Yeah, so right, Back so the bass note stays the same. I wonder what that sound, could you play that? Yes, of course. So it would be... Yeah, that's kind of where I, right, that sounds more normal to me. Yeah, exactly. It sounds more normal to, I think, anybody. But but Bach's not normal, right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. what does he? This is do? why we love him. Yeah. He, he takes us from this from this gorgeous um, Napoleon sound. Instead, he takes us up. He ascends to this. We have this moment, which is crazy. I mean, if you think that this piece was written in 1735, around, I mean, that's kind of like an insane harmonic movement. It's pretty wild. Yeah. It's pretty wild, and yeah. not, that, but that's not enough for for Herr, Herr Bach yep. because he gives us not only this movement, but he gives us the suspension, which creates this chord. So we're going. Remember, we're going. Right. So the the melodic motion then da da da. Exactly. Yeah. We're getting out. Suspension is not set up. You know, it's not set up normally. Oh, like not. yeah, like the you're normally would do absolutely so that's another huge surprise of this and then he brings us back so elegantly back to back to d major right? always in inversions of course right etc etc and then it really doesn't feel like d major yet even in the measure after that chord even though it lands on d major because you still have to hear a d g a a D and then exactly. it's like, okay now it's a cadence because now I hear the G natural again and now you've really yeah because you like... land really in an A major and first inversion right yeah right. Yep. with the C sharp in the bottom mm -hmm. and then finally you get so yeah. a very elegant way to take us back to D major. After having gone on a on a pretty distant trip, first to first to G minor, right? Uh, let's not forget this beautiful G minor. Yeah. Then Napolitan. Don't forget he spells out the Napolitan chord twice. So that's actually yeah, a very yeah. important chord for him. And then finally landing on this beautiful yes. suspension. Back to, and lo, lo and behold, he takes us back to the actual theme. Yeah, the pedal point now. Yeah, pedal point, exactly. So just a gorgeous moment, a moment that for me was very important because it helped me realize just uh, the depth of, of, of the richness, the harmonic and melodic richness of, of Bach's music. And a, um, a very important moment also, because it reminds us how harmony really is built out of this interplay between the voices, right? This counterpoint between voices. I don't know. I just, I just think that for me, it was, it was an entryway because this, uh, again, this is one of the first pieces that I learned, you know, maybe in, in my second or third, maybe fourth year playing guitar at a very young age. So obviously there, you just think that this is a really wild chord. You don't know what, what's going on. Yeah. It sounds very cool. But then you start learning a little bit more about theory and you start, you know, analyzing these things and just finding this, this world of, again, lush, rich chords and just surprises. A word that comes, a word that comes very common to me is surprises. Hmm. It's a uh, box music that has always been very surprising and it takes all kinds of unexpected twists and turns. So 
Um, yeah. This is one of them, one of the major ones for me. Cool. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. I, I got to say for me, one, there's so many reasons why this is a moment, all the stuff you just described. And also one kind of subtle thing is just, and you mentioned it with the base walk down, but the base walk down is different there. And then like, he just, he knows this is a moment he's going for, you know, he doesn't just do harmonic, interesting things here. He's also changing the texture as he's changing the harmonies in a weird way. And then when he gets to that moment that you talked about the chord, he puts a fermata there. And then as you played so beautifully to come out of that, that Da, 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 da. It's just like an extra little gesture. It's like you know he knows this. Like a is little ornament. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's a that's a very good point that I forgot to mention. There is a fermata <laughs> right on this when he, when he, after the suspension, right? So yeah. he wants you to he wants you to now have a little moment, take a little breather, a little moment to take in what just happened. And so, so that's an excellent point. He's like, he's, he's making a, he's making a point of having you know that this is a very important moment in the piece and one that he wants to draw your attention to. So yeah, yeah. that's, that's my, that's my little moment in Bach. I love it. Thanks Giovanni. That's fantastic. I love to hear all the different interpretations that guitarists and ludists are, are doing with this too. And sometimes they take that moment and they, they hit it hard. And then other times they, they move up in that Neapolitan measure. They move up to the moment, and then they hit the moment soft. You know, it's it's always interesting yeah. to see the different interpretations. Uh, another another good point. It's it's very interesting to see that uh, this is one of those moments where I think you might agree that it doesn't really need very much. You know, that's another thing that I've that I've discovered more and more as I study box music is that it really it really doesn't need us very much. <laughs> it kind of does its own thing. So even if you were to play this. You know, with very little interpretation in quotes, mm. that moment would still strike you as as something that still today in the year twenty twenty three, yeah, uh, to our ears, it's something that's very, it's it, it's very it's very kind of strange and beautiful. Yeah, and and Bach, we've talked about this on the podcast. Bach is one of the most objective composers in that way. Like, yes, you can make your own interpretation, but as you said, it doesn't. Bach is Bach, right? Like. It's going to be solid no matter what because the music is just so well constructed. It's, it's just such a such a jewel. I, I, yeah. I, mean, I love oh, this. man. I love, this. I love this this music so much, and I haven't played it in a while, so it's happy to. I'm happy to revisit it. Oh, that's great. No, no, actually, it's funny because I was just telling uh, Christian that uh, that I'm I'm very thankful that that you guys invited me to do this because I it, I don't it's not usually it's not common for me that I get the time the free time to free quote unquote free time to, to go back to these pieces that I kind of like grew up with. I've been listening to this prelude for, for a very, very long time and, you know, performing it and playing it and listening to different versions of it. So it's music that has lived with me for, for a very, very long time. Cool. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, you know, as of late, I haven't had the time to, to go back and revisit it. Uh, and so I'm very grateful just before I got on here, I was just uh, uh, looking at the score and kind of like remembering the different sections and, it's a piece that I love very much. So good. It's so good. <laughs>
I can't. It's that's another thing. It's like, do you have do you have any idea how many times I've played this thing, this this particular moment? Probably, <laughs> in, I don't know, tens of thousands of times, and I never get bored of it. I, I always just want to go back and play play it again. And I don't know about you, Christian, but that doesn't happen with my music very often. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't really happen with our own music to yeah. ourselves, you know. <laughs> yeah, yes. You're a little yeah, too close exactly. to it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it is amazing to think about that Bach, since he wrote so much. I mean, there was a lot of care put into it, but so don't misconstrue what I'm saying. But since he wrote so much, this little figure probably took him, you know, 30 seconds to compose. And yet millions of people have heard it millions of times and have been inspired by it and have felt very strongly about this moment. Here we are centuries later, uh, you know, talking about just these few measures of his music. So, but that's amazing. That's great. And, I, and by the way, I just want to say that I think this, this podcast, this idea for this podcast is fantastic. Uh, it's oh, something you. that, you know, I would have loved to do myself. And I'm sure that a lot of music lovers around the world are gonna are gonna not only love it but also like learn a lot from it, and and hopefully it becomes like an entryway for also for other people that, that don't know box music that well or at all. Uh, if there are uh, still people like that out there, so you're doing the the world a huge service. So thank you. Oh well, yeah, you're welcome. We we yeah. evangelize Bach. <laughs> we do, and we've had some we've had some really cool suggestions over the last couple of years. So that's been really. I mean, we've learned a lot too from people's suggestions. Very cool. cool. Well, thank, thank you. you. And uh, you know, if you ever if you ever run out of uh, musical moments, yeah. <laughs> give me a call. I got a few as well, so I'd love to you know talk about Bach anytime. If this introduction to a musical moment has inspired you to hear more J.S. Bach compositions, please check out the All of Bach project by the Netherlands Bach Society. They're whose recordings we use in most of our episodes. We are indebted to the Netherlands Bach Society because of the permission to use their recordings, we are able to do this podcast. So thanks again to Netherlands Bach Society. Okay, Christian, next week, Bachtoberfest? That's right. Next week is the last episode of our season where we celebrate Bach by doing a little more than a normal episode. We'll take a look at something silly like we have done with the quadlibet and the coffee cantata. And we'll also take some listener questions. So if you have any, please send them our way before next week. Any questions about the podcast or Bach. We'll read a couple of suggestions. If you have a suggestion for an episode for next season, we'll read some of those. We'll mention some of the suggestions that we didn't get to this season because we have so many. But we hope to hear from you. And uh, if you give us permission, we'd love to share your thoughts at Boktoberfest. And listeners, in season one, you helped us reach a big milestone, 10,000 episode downloads. Well, our listenership has grown. And now at the end of season three here, we are almost at 100,000 downloads. Pretty exciting for us. It's pretty close. And by pretty close, I mean we have 99,860 currently. So, I bet you can help us crest this hill here and make it to our goal of 100k. And if so, we'll announce that at Bachtoberfest. One of our favorite things to hear is that you shared this podcast with another person. I think that's the best we could hope for. So, who do you think would enjoy a Bach podcast? Please share our podcast with that person. Yeah, and the answer is anybody who likes music. 
I mean, it doesn't even have to be somebody who likes classical music. Bach is a good in for any musician to get into the realm of Baroque music, for example. But really, anybody who likes music might enjoy the podcast. That's true. Bach's music is pretty approachable. I think, I mean, it's not, it's not really stuffy or self-important as far as classical music goes. So listeners, we look forward to joining you next week for Boktoberfest. Until next time, enjoy those moments.